Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Real Good Podcast, where we talk about everything from the screen and streaming world to find out what precisely is real good. Um, I'm here, joined by the always um, affable and always on time and always gets his shit hot, even though you should see a doctor about it. It's Mr. Sean Carney. What, what are you saying? I don't know. Words <laughs> are just coming out of my face and I'm just I'm going with it. You see the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, not bad, though, man. All good, all good. Just, I'm happy to see your face. He's happy to see my face. Yeah, Hopefully my it face. Cheers, him, cheers him up from the antics of yesterday. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm sure you're not happy to. about. Did you get? Did you get like? Because we know I'm not familiar with the with the sport of soccer and the football and all that shit. I'm just not into soccer. it. So Ooh, teams. Did you? <laughs> did you go? Did you go like post loss of match? Like, do you go into a deep dive of depression and just like I'm just gonna drink that? Yeah. I'm just gonna drink. Forget this is happening. Aye. That's that's my excuse for everything though. I forgot to take the bins out. I'm drinking. Yeah, basically. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I never got digestive at the shops. Oh, well, just have a beer. <laughs> it's like that time when you forget your newspaper and you're like, I'm going to throw a line of coke instead. Um, <laughs> what a slippery road we, we go down. Um, but no, uh, we're not going to talk about drinking drugs because that's not what cool kids do. It's, it's yeah, it listen to your uncle Bill and get it all for free. Um, <laughs> um, but no, there's been a lot of news going on. Not not a lot of news, but like like sparse news through the week, but massive stuff that's made you go, holy shit, this is actually happening. Um, first on the list, I'm amazed they're going through with it purely because I'm like, I hope no one dies. Um, it's been fully confirmed that the cast for George Miller's Furiosa prequel um has been completed completed and done um Anya taylor joy from new mutants and the witch and split um is playing furiosa as previously discussed but it's also getting the additional input of chris hemsworth in yeah. from my knowledge i read about i read this early in the week his first australian set film Shut like up. his first film i swear to god <laughs> which is mad <laughs> um <laughs> Like he just went from home and away straight across the pond. That's all he did. Um, he went, put the surfboard down, pick up a hammer. That was it. Um, and <laughs> he's literally I want to see that's like say, yeah, basically. Um, so him and Yaya Abdul Mateen, um, the the second, who is um, is in Trial of Chicago Seven, which we'll talk about uh, end of this near nearing the end of this podcast. Um, he's also Fucking in Watchmen. Banger. Um, and he was Black Manta in Aquaman. He'll be turning up in it as well. That trifecta yeah, alone be... is a very interesting collection, mate. I mean, just fucking uh, Abdul Mateen, man. That the guy seems to just been knocking out the park lately with the films and obviously TV shows and that he's been involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really good actor. I, I like I like everything he's in and I like his performances. Um, but I'm just, right, I'm, mate, I'm, look, look I'm just reading one, up mate. about because they should, they should. Sorry, go on. They should just call. They should just call this film fucking coronavirus 2020. Huh? <laughs> this is what they're probably. 2021. This is, this is basically <laughs> us having a glimpse into our future of like what's going to happen. Yeah, basically, we'll all be fighting over gas Mad and Max. toilet roll. 
Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there's been quite a few. Um, the people, you know, the cast that have been selected, they've actually spoken out about what they hope for the future and what they, what, how excited they are about it. Um, Anya Taylor Joy actually said um, recently in an interview uh, on a podcast. Um, she actually walked past the cinema where she was first um, amazed by the incredible mind of George Miller, she said uh, during the podcast for Happy Second Views. Um, quote, it's difficult to put into words. I feel so humbled and grateful. Um, I think the first thing I thought was I'm so excited to work so hard. The level of commitment that has been shown by those who came before me, I endeavoured to match that. That makes me really excited. I have so much respect for the originators of this crazy world and the collection of characters. I'm excited to work really hard. Um I'm I'm interested to see how she handles it because obviously we were all very surprised at how we all no that's a lie everyone knows Charlize Theron's a brilliant actress she's got an Oscar on her shelf to prove it um, but I didn't I don't think anyone expected to be for her role to be so prominent in in Fury Road when it came out um, all eyes were on Tom Hardy to take over from Mel Gibson but it was I think her role was the biggest sort of takeaway from it of going God this is actually this is probably more her film than uh, his. She, well, she obviously, she stole the show, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I can't say anybody. I mean, obviously, fucking Fury Road, brilliant. Um, mm. But I do think that she definitely fucking kind of led the film. Do you know what I mean? Whether that was intentional or not, I don't know. Mm. Well, um, I think it was. And I think, you know, the fact that he's gone on to go, right, I'm going to make a film about her. I think he's probably always yeah. had it. In, George Miller's always had it in his head to sort of maybe expand on this world. Um, following on from a news story uh, from coming soon, um, it was been confirmed that Theron previously confessed it was heartbreaking for her to walk away from the role. Um, but you know, sometimes you've got to. That's that's comes with comes with the territory of the of the gig there. And I suppose is that sometimes, you know, mm. how many how many times have we seen well known, popular, iconic characters get remade or not necessarily even even you know from that same franchise but like you know there are now three different versions of Sherlock Holmes we've had in the past decade that are Robert Downey Jr yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch and now Henry Cavill was playing it in that Anola Holmes film on Netflix so like yeah. it can happen it, it, it comes with the territory um but to go on from like iconic characters do you know what I mean like <clears throat> you've got like Batman not obviously in yeah, Bond, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. All these characters, Bond, which as well, yeah. you know, Sony have, Sony have recently said regarding Spider-Man, there's a whole rumour that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire will be coming back for that, and Sony are trying to keep as quiet as possible about it. Um, but yeah, going back to this, so um, uh, Anya Taylor Joy also said um, she she fell in love with the Furious because of the way Charlie's presented her. She did such an incredible job; it was so beautiful. I can't even think about trying to step into her shoes. It has to be something different because it just can't be done. Which is interesting because realistically we saw her in Fury Road. She'd lost an arm. She'd shaved her head. When you look at Anya Taylor-Joy, yeah. like, will we see her pre that or will it be leading into? Like, We knew she got taken from her like tribe or whatever near the end of the film. She meets up mm-hmm. with them again. So will we see that happen and that, you know, a really traumatic incident fall on her? I think it probably will set, like say 10 years before it or something like that because she's quite young um, Anna Taylor-Joy do you know what I mean yeah. so um, but also it's worth noting um, Chris Hemsworth as well piped up about it because there's no obviously he's not going to to my understanding I'm guessing he won't be Mad Max um, 
it will be a completely different no. character. Um, he said on his Instagram, he's pretty damn fired to be part of the franchise that meant the world to me as a kid growing up in Australia. Mad Max was the pinnacle and a huge reason why I got into the business of telling stories. The fact that I'll have the honour of not only being directed by its original visionary in George Miller, but also take part in Furious's origin story is incredibly exciting. Huge respect to George, Mel, Charlize, Tom and all the cast and crew who helped build this epic world. I'll do my best to continue the tradition of cinema- cinematic badassery. Um, I'll be interested to see how he handles this because when you look at his sort of deviation in terms of like action heroes of late, like we talked about Extraction way back and how he literally kicks the shit out of anyone that's like comes in comes Kes included yeah yeah um like there is not an age gap for for um chris hemsworth giving someone a beat down so it'll be interesting to see how he handles this because like in obviously and what i've said before he's not he's not gonna be mad max however like you say if when you were told tom hardy was going to be the new mad max you were like yeah i can see that because yeah that's a world tom hardy could fit in because he's rough as fuck <laughs> scary as hell and fits that chris hemsworth's just too stupidly good looking man do you know um how will he know, how will he, he did a good job of extraction though yeah definitely and that's what i'm saying like, like to that, that deviation yeah changing the game up a bit um is interesting um and then on top of that you've got like like you say yeah, yeah abdul bateen is doing really well i'd i'd love to see what capacity he's in i'd love to see if any of them are going to be villains um yeah Where's where's your excitement level on this now, mate? The fact that it's not going to be, you know, the cast that the cast that basically revitalised the franchise won't be back for this. What? How are you feeling about it? Uh, well, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think and uh, think them too too much, mate. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a good cast that they've came up with to replace them. So it'd be different if it was a fucking. If it was a shit lineup, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I obviously it's sad that you're not going to see Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy again in, in these roles, do you know what I mean? But that's not to say down the line yeah. they might come back, depending on how how well this is done. Obviously, the the Furiosa. Uh, yeah. But, but I, I'm he... really looking forward to it, mate. As I said, I fucking absolutely loved um, Fury Road. Um, it was one of one of the best films I'd seen fucking in a good um, good while. Yeah, man. Like when people when people ask about it and talk about it, like when people mention, you know, if someone if you say to someone, think of your favorite action film, nine times out of ten, people are going to say Mad Max Fury Road because it was just yeah. there. There was nothing, and there has never been anything like it since. Like, no. you know, we go. We've talked about it in the past. Like, The Raid is a, is known as a notable action film, but it's such a completely different breed because it is very tight, like a tight action film. Whereas this mm-hmm. was just, I know there's a famous sort of story about um, when George Miller showed footage of it at uh, Comic Con. Somebody, it was like the you know the lights came back on, everyone was going mental, and it was like right, any questions? And fucking Robert Rodriguez stood up and just went, "How the fuck have you made that?" <laughs> like, um, he's just got that in him to just turn a fucking world like yeah. insane, really. It's insane, man. Um, like I, I've, yeah. I can't. I've actually not watched it in quite a while, mate. Um, maybe something to fucking refresh your memories. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, certainly. And I think, I think with that, it's we've talked about it in the past about like certain. There are certain films for me personally where it's like once I see it on the cinema, I'm like I'll never want to watch that at home because it just won't do it justice. 
and this is yeah. one of the few where it's an exception purely because I just fucking love it so much and I just think it's yeah you know conceptually like just create the creative effort that George Miller went into it is just insane and there's a really I don't know if you've got these um there's a chrome edition where they basically re- um re-edited it in black and white nice and it's just it's just such a you know amplifies the experience in a way in a way you wouldn't expect it to um so there's like there's that and there's like logan noir as well which is a good um black and white sort of uh version that's weird that and it could be we're talking about um we're talking about blind manor the other day and we're saying about an episode that they did in black and white and it just changed it do you know what yeah I mean? it just made it so much more better mm. and i just, couldn't i couldn't have imagined that that scene or that sorry that episode in color yeah. Quite strange that, and how they they do certain things to kind of change the the atmosphere of it. Yeah, definitely. It's just I think it's you know, visuals obviously is a is a key component for a film, and if you take mm. take away a certain thing, like what's that going to do to it? Um, it's the same way if you take like sound out of a film, and we've said about you know what we were talking about the other week about like what we do in the shadows. If you take if you take a certain scene from that and stick it in a different format, what will that do? Um, but yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it's worth noting that the Fury Road was a fucking production nightmare. It took so long to get to get made. Now, given that we've got a fucking pandemic on the cards, it'll be interesting to see it, what delays, hopefully there won't be any, um, will be done for this. And yeah, uh, fucking fair play to George Miller, man. He's getting on and he's, he's still churning out absolute monsters like this. Um, will it top it, though? We'll have to find out. Um, moving on to other mm. news this week. Wait see we will wait and see. A uh, big, big, big fucking cast list of basically Netflix going. <laughs> look at all the money we've got. Um, the cast has been fully confirmed for Don't Look Up. Uh, Adam McKay, who made uh, Vice and The Big Short and Step Brothers, uh, his next big film. Now, I showed you this last week, mate, and could your could your eyes believe it? No. <laughs> it's very. Mate, it's very strange. See everything that's kind of that we've spoken about in the last couple of weeks. It's just the casts have been like crazy, crazy good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like all these lineups of people who are working together, and it's just I. So to follow insane, on, man. to follow on from Deadline, have confirmed it. Um, Adam McKay's Don't Look Up cast consists of. <gasps> Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Jonah Hill, Himesh Patel, uh, Kid Cudi, uh, who is in everything nowadays, Matthew Perry, um, yeah. also including Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan from um, Just Mercy, Jennifer Lawrence, and yeah, so that's pretty much all of them. Um, that's ridiculous. Like, that's on a Netflix insane. film. <laughs> like, it's a Netflix film. What the fuck? <laughs> They're obviously just trying to like outdo each other at Amazon and Netflix, man. Well, it's just, just trying their hardest just to fucking give each other a fuck you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, we've got Borat. Yeah, well, we've got Meryl Streep. Yeah, but Shit. we said that. <laughs> but Amazon are like, next week, performing live. Jesus. Um, <laughs> just a Nick bloke on stage just bloke on stage with a glass of water and he's like watch this turn red um, <laughs> he's like um, <laughs> Wayne <laughs> um, uh, but yeah just this is crazy like I was imp- I was intrigued by the story anyway for those that don't know um, don't look up 
is about two um, astrologists that basically figure out that there's a giant fucking meteor heading towards the earth and they intend to um like do a cross-country trip to try and confirm like assure people that this is going to happen we need to prep ourselves um according to variety lauren jennifer lawrence and dicaprio expect to play the two astronomers but the streamer has not yet confirmed this confirmed the role specifically um it was well it was also revealed a while ago uh, shortly after the news got out that like timothy chalamet um his character will actually be quite a small one. So it'll be interesting to see how big these involvements are. Like you've got names like Meryl Streep and like Jennifer Lawrence, as we said, or Kate Blanchett as well. Like to what capacity will they be in? Um, I just can't wait to see the red carpet and being like Meryl Streep, DiCaprio, mm. Jennifer Lawrence, Chandler, Rob Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chandler. I know. Like, it's such a look- random cast, isn't it? <laughs> just look around the table and be like, the fuck am I doing it? <laughs> um, I know. It just, like, I am. I, it's weird. Like, I hope it's not going to be like too many cook scenario, um, and he balances yeah. it out fairly well. But like, I, th- I think this film is our generation's Armageddon. Probably. Do you think? Who's who's going to do yeah. the song, mate? Uh, Kid Cudi probably. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's not a bad chat. Um, what was your what was your like favorite movie song from like back in the day? Like, is like Armageddon? Um, is Armageddon's like the unbeatable one? No, man. I, I don't really know. I would think it's like a chew, actually. I think it probably would be. I. I, I mean, the Aerosmith are quite fucking. Um, up there, like they've done obviously Mrs. Doubtfire and that as well, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> dude looks like a lady, you know what I mean? So, they're obviously, they must they must be the fucking creme de la creme of, of uh, movie soundtracks. Well, I'm just thinking, hold it's on. Not, it's um, not as if you're going to have Cradle of Filth in the fucking the next Pixar <laughs> film, are you? Do you know what I mean? No, but like, in terms of, because I think of like, <clears throat> like, I will always love you as a fucking banger. Um, it was weird, isn't it? I think it's interesting as well how eventually through the years we just stopped having songs for films. Like every time a yeah. big film came out, it was like, oh, see, I suppose the only exception nowadays is a Bond film. Like it's every the, the biggest question is, you know, who's, who's directing it and who's going to sing the who's going to sing the song. Um, but like Brian Adams did a few. Brian Adams obviously oh, the fucking Robin Hood. Hood. Do you know what I mean? Everything um, I that's probably my favourite. I'd say. Is it everything I do? It is everything I do, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Everything I do. I know I know. there's some really w- mad fucking... Um, That's uh, kind of uh, ironic s- that you brought that up. Why? Because we'll be talking about that film <laughs> at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Will we? All right then. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but like, I'm just... I'm just... Oh, well, fair. I'm just looking at this because I'm trying to figure out I think it held like some stupid um, number one record. Hold on. What um, Armageddon one? In no, in the UK, everything I do, I do it for you. Has the longest unbroken run at number one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How many yeah, weeks? Right. Guess how many weeks? Twenty-five. Why do people go? Why do people go over? <laughs> like a thousand. <laughs> 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 14 um, was it no was it not 14? it was 16 16 16 so that's like 
That's some place. You of... know, the fucking film would have been out on VHS by then, surely. So July from July seventh, <laughs> yeah, July seventh of ninety one to October the twenty seventh when it dropped to number four. That is a fucking great song. Though. Dropped to number four. Didn't even go out the top ten. Just dropped three places. <laughs> Finally, someone fucking yeah. took a hit. That's crazy. <laughs> and it only spent seven weeks at number one in the US. But it's just obviously because it's UK, because it's Robin Hood. Everyone was like, "Yeah, Kevin Costner sounds like he's from Nottingham." Fuck it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we went again. Shock horror, mate. How fucking far off a tangent have we just gone? Um, yeah. Happens. Where's Where's your Where's your Carney radar going on the on Don't Look Up? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Adam McKay. Um, yeah. Obviously, the previous stuff that you've obviously mentioned that he's did before, but I mean, obviously, we don't know too much about this. Mm. So, I mean, they've only kind of, um, I think the film, I think they're going to start filming at the end of this year. Yeah. the end of this year. Um, sorry. So, I mean, like, the cast, I mean, again, big DiCaprio fan, obviously. <laughs> oh, you can call him. It's just going to be. A, you say you hope that it's not too many cooks though. No, I thought you were gonna say I'm a big dick fan. I was like, big DiCaprio. Fan. No, no, nah, nah. I don't know where your mind's going. It was just the delivery of it. I'm a big DiCaprio fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm just, I'm in, I'm, in, I think yeah, too many cooks is my biggest concern, and yeah, you know. That's obviously going to draw a shit ton of numbers, regardless of that cast. But it's like, all right, so what about the script? And Adam Kay's like, fuck, that's a point. Um, we shall see. We shall see. Mate, you look tie-tie. You tie-tie. Yeah, we're both tie-tie, mate. <laughs> Don't you sit there and kid on as if you're not. You've, fucking, you've been injecting Red Bull into your veins or something. I've not fucking yawned. I'm just throwing that out of there. On a yawn count, you're number one. Well, Listen, I had, a, I had a very stodgy dinner, so I'm allowed to yawn. Oh, <laughs> what did you have for dinner, mate? Uh, cabbage, potatoes, um, cauliflower cheese. Oh my God. And sausages. <laughs> I'll have a plate of stodge, it please. <laughs> it was brilliant, man. It was not, not weird, you're just, that's what you want. Like, you want a stodgy meal, and, well, you might as well just fucking go for the... Go for aim for the stars. Go for, go for it, mate. You know what, right? I actually, um, in terms of stars, you're talking about Look stars. Often, often a tangent. I, <laughs> I um, I ordered myself a pizza last night, and you know when you just like you know pineapple. No, um, just <laughs> not because I'm against it. I just didn't have it. But like for all the pineapple lover listeners out there, um, no, you know when you like. We've had this discussion pizza, pizza or Domino's, and you've said that's a long silence there, Sean. What? <laughs> good if you. Good if. I don't know. You're asking podca- me a question. It's, it's it's good during a podcast if you fucking listen. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was a question. I said pizza Hut or Domino's. I thought you were said, a and I just can't remember what you said. Question mark. No, why? Why are you bringing it up then? I'm just <laughs> you asking. Know that you're <laughs> Would you say Domino's or Pizza Hut? Yeah. Mm, pizza Hut. Right, good shout, right. So I'm a regular Pizza Hutter, right? And for the past few weeks, <laughs> I've just been a bit like, mm, okay, not really checking the boxes that much. Like, yeah. you only know, get halfway through it and think, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. 
I absolutely yeah. spent a good penny on this pizza yesterday and it hit the perfect spot. Bit of Tabasco sauce on it, like mm. for some reason had a shit ton of cheese. I had half of it yesterday and half of it today. And oh, it was I'm so happy with it, mate. I'm still like I'm still Cheap upset that it's cold. gone. What? Cheap pizza cold. I would eat it cold if you know if I'm out in the wild and I've got no microwave, I'd eat it, I'd eat it cold. But like, <laughs> oh, but I like but, just getting up in the morning and like having a slice of cold pizza. I just think it's it's just satisfying. Apparently, apparently it's healthier yeah. in the morning. It, like a leftover pizza is better for you than a than a freshly cooked one. Something to do with all the cali- like the what? fat. Apparently, something to do with all the fats, the greases left the pizza or some bollocks. All the greases fucking evaporated <laughs> off of it. Yeah. Um, just turned your plate into a fucking window because it's just through it. Um, but yeah, uh, shock horror again off a tangent. Um, what we were talking about, films, that's right. Um, next thing on the list, yeah. um, I only brought this up, mate, because I know you're a massive Joaquin Phoenix fan because Joker's like one of your favouritest of all times. Um, yes. The news is out. And I'm very interested to see this. Um, very interested. Joaquin Phoenix is joining up with Sir Ridley Scott to give us Kit Bag, which is a film, which is a film that will focus on, um, uh, you know, historical figure last seen jumping out of a phone booth, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Now, firstly, do you know much about the man? Um, I know he was very small. That's the common thing, in it? So what, straight away, I'm like, yeah. What are they going to do to get Joaquin Phoenix's character? They're going to like take his shins. Like, what's the, what's the process going to be? Is yeah, everyone going to be on? And just suck just <laughs> on his Instagram, just sawing his fucking legs off. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm doing it for the craft. <laughs> um, <laughs> doing it for the other Oscar again. It's just like, comes on like, just blood trail behind him. It's like, he's so dedicated. I don't think I've, um, ever, I don't think I've ever seen a Napoleon like, like, film been made about him. That's not got Bill and Ted in? Yeah, well, obviously. Um, the guy's just fucking yelling in French. But, um, <laughs> do you think... Very, do you think... very, very excited to see this, man. I, mean, I love a biopic um, and fucking... Obviously, Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favourite actors, so, I mean... I'm swiftly on board with this one, mate. Swiftly on board. Plans out. Yeah. I'm just looking at how tall Napoleon was, right? He was 5'5". Five five. Do you know this? Well, you wouldn't know this. Why would you know this? <laughs> you. you are. Same height as you. Really? You're gonna you're gonna fucking nah. pull it. You're gonna you're gonna pull that thread. Oh, that here we go. Thread, I've touched you? a nerve. <laughs> touched a nerve. Listen, um, me, I know I'm short in stature, but I make up in other things, alright. <laughs> just you know wow humor as predict as predictable as you are short um 170 <gasps> yeah i said that oh joaquin phoenix is actually um i've just got a bit on him he's only five he's five six napoleon was five five is he yeah yeah i didn't think he was that short i didn't to be honest i'm quite surprised at that um yeah should i got tom cruise to play him you know what? Oh, mate, fucking Tom Cruise with a French accent. <laughs> That'd be yeah, amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, so the news came out uh, last week uh, via deadline. Um, the outlet has shared the film's title stem saying that there is a um, there is a general staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag. Right, okay. Um, so uh, 
the film apparently, as as mentioned, will be directed by Ridley Scott, who I'm not being funny, mate. He should be like sitting down with a couple of legs. He's getting old now. Um, but Kit Bag is described as an original and personal look at Napoleon's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor, viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. The film will capture Napoleon's famous battles, his relentless ambition, and astounding strategic mind as an extraordinary military leader and war visionary. Mate, you know who does the soundtrack? He needs to do the soundtrack for this. Abba. Fucking get Abba in. Get them back together and do a fucking Waterloo remix. Um, but, yeah, I'm intrigued about this. Um, he's he's done a fair few biopics, has Phoenix as well. Well, not biopics, like, yeah. he's, pl- he's yeah. played fairly well-known people like Johnny Cash and fucking Commodus. Um, but, yeah, um, I'll be interested to see this. Do you think he'll go French? Do you think he'll actually put an accent on? Or will they do that wanky mm. thing where everyone's either English or American? No, I think he'll probably put an accent. Do you think? But then it's like, yeah. it's, where do you stand on that, actually? Because, like, we've had it in the past <clears> where <throat> you see films set in certain locations and it's like, it's like, for example, like Les Mis. Like, you got Hugh Jackman, you got Russell Crowe, you got all these people, and there's not actually one French person in it, even putting an accent on. Yeah, no. It's a bit. I don't even really know, man. It, I think it depends on, again, the actors and the cast and whatever else. Like, yeah, it must be. It must be hard. I think certain people get like, um, obviously, audition for these roles, and if if they say if the names kind of. See if obviously like when when Brother Scott was thinking of this up or whatever, um, I wonder if he's went. Oh, this is who I have in mind for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just kind of auditioning it out to everybody and whoever fucking gets selected is like basically you've you've got to put on an accent. And they're like, oh no, I'm not. I'm terrible at accents. Do you know what I mean? So must be a good one. <laughs> That's how he opens it. Just so you know, I'm shit at accents. <laughs> Right, were you paying the Well, that's you. You'd picked it as not one my choice. They um, should just be set in England. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'd be interested to see this again. No confirmation, solid date for when this starts filming or anything like that. But I think the, oh, the, the title's very strange. Kit bag. Well, it says um, uh, the title is referring to um, the film's title stems from the saying: "There's a general staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag." Yeah, yeah. Um, what a shape. I like it. <laughs> yeah um, yeah kit bag you think it's about is Joaquin yeah. Phoenix playing a guy who goes to PE and he's not got his fucking gym stuff with him so he's got a he's a, he's a new Joaquin Phoenix plays a new Bobby Boucher <laughs> yeah he's got to end up fucking going like... through the lost property to get some shorts to do PE did you ever have to do that mate yeah what is yeah. there's just I don't understand the logic in that you know put these dirty skanky shorts on and do a lap for me because you forgot your shorts and just be like whoa and it's just uh, punishment basically it's just fucking mental abuse you know like hum- humiliation as exactly. if there's not enough of it in school exactly um, but I never got that mate because obviously I was the fucking absolute sports icon you're like I've got a spare set sir <laughs> I've came prepared <laughs> why am I Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> oh hello dear help us on the way <laughs> Um, but yeah uh, a, a, a weird interesting triple threat of news there and we are excited um, but we got a triple threat of reviews as well because we've seen loads Ooh. of films this week man um, 
Yeah. We went, we went we to went, the cinema, boy. We went to the cinema together. Uh, a rarity nowadays. Because, yeah. um, you know, Cineworld, RIP. Really upset about that. But um, we finally went to see St. Maud on Monday. And um, oh. we, w- I'm pretty glad, mate, that I took my fucking... I, w- I wore the brown pants. Um, yeah. If you don't know about it, this is a brand new... Un- unsettling fucking horror film um, from a first time director which is impressive in itself um, it's written and directed by Rose Glass who basically tells this story about Maud who is a, a hospice nurse who is sent to go to look after um, a, a dancer that's like is it is it what's is it cancer I think she's like yeah, it's lymphoma, I think. Yeah, it's lymphoma. Yeah. She's 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 basically sort of on the end of her sort of life, and Maud Maud goes there to try and um, tend to her. But um, the interesting thing about Maud is that she's recently um, become a converted like Catholic, is devout in her belief in her faith, and believes that she has been sent there by God to rescue and save this woman from sin. Um, mate, like. I mean, I we both said we'd not seen much of the trailers. I'd sort of kept my eyes away from everything purely because everyone was hyping up to so much. Did you go in? Yeah. Did you go out? Go out I went with your blind. satisfaction, like certified, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, if not more, like I was surprising how how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. Again, it's. It's obviously the, um, a first from, is it Rose Clark? I think it was. The, Rose Glass, it? Rose Glass. Rose Glass, sorry, my apologies. Um, what a fucking debut film. Like, yeah. Absolutely unreal. This, It's just such an an unsettling film. It's like, it's um, again, I would probably say this is like, we were talking about like, uh, that film there, um, Don't Look Up, and we are yeah. saying how it's like, this generation's Armageddon. I think this is our generation's The Exorcist to a point. Oh, mate, that's a big statement. It is, but when you think about it, in what regard? Way. What? Why? 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 Because you know, that's that's quite that's no that's no sort of minor statement. Why would you make that comparison yourself? Like, do you think it's as good as that? I don't think it's as good, but right. it's fucking it's up there as one as as one of the. The fucking, the kind of genuinely fucking unsettling horrors that I've seen in a long time. Mm. Yeah, we. And it's I, just it makes it, it, it has you coming out asking all these questions as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like we were going, is it happening? Who she thinks she's talking to? Do you know what I mean? It was just, I like that. But film sometimes though, when you, you come out and you you enjoyed it that much that you want to know more about it. Yeah. And you are, like you say, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to sound really dickish, like when people say film is an art form. And much like if you go into a gallery and you look at a picture and I look at a picture, we'll both get different perspectives from stuff. This is one of those films yeah. where it's like, there are so many things to pick apart where it's where you're asking yourself, where you doubt yourself, you doubt the character, you doubt the story, you question the story. There's so many different elements. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, it's interesting you make comparisons to Exorcist. Exorcist is almost like a quiet quite a large story in in terms of like you've got all these different players that eventually meet in this one room that like all have an issue with god and are all trying to either save someone or save themselves 
this in its senses is so for one it's so claustrophobic like as soon as yeah. she turns up in this house this really it's not even an, i wouldn't say it's an old decrepit house it's so dark it's so narrow like maud is constantly in shadow she's never quite there and i think that's her whole sort of element of symbolism like something has a grasp on her and we don't know what it is we don't know if it's god we don't know if it's something else um we don't know if it's all in a completely fucking completely in her head um yeah, but that was I a mean, big question that we were asking wasn't it yeah i mean we walked away and I, I sort of said to you it's interesting that i drew a lot of comparisons from joker we, like we said in the earlier yeah. on the podcast like that's one of your favorite films and i wasn't a fan of joker for various reasons that are just you know won't go into this with this one but like i think the reason i saw the comparisons is because you left joker going was that all in his head did he make all of this up? Yeah. You know, did he see, did certain elements just weren't there at all? And, you know, Rose Glass does such a brilliant effort to, to do that in terms of only in its final frame do you see the reality that you think is the reality. Um, you know, yeah. and it's not, we said it again, like walking out of it, it's not necessarily a scary film, but it's just this constant dread that fills you all through the film where it's like, she is i mean it's a fucking amazing performance from um uh i'm gonna butcher her name moffat clark who is both this like timid but so in such an intense character as maud because yeah. any person she comes across you're just like oh god oh god oh god what's she gonna do is she why is, she, is, she, is, yeah. is that person safe like and you know I drew a lot of comparisons to Misery as well, like Kathy Bates in Misery, where she can just fucking switch on yeah. a dime and you're just like, yeah, I don't want you looking after me now. Um, yeah. But yeah, just amazing. What else did you take from it, mate? Anything to sort of stand out for you personally? Um, I just think, again, there was like the, the comparisons and the way, I think the way the film was shot as well. Like, um, we were saying there was that one scene where they kind of turned the camera on the side and it was like, we, we were talking about it, what was that again? Oh, it was the staircase. Yeah. Like you said, you. I think, was that was that your sort of Joker moment, like your Eureka moment? No, you said the Exorcist, didn't you, in terms of the stairs outdoors? Yeah. <clears throat> the stairs outdoors at the start, when she's get down it, you're like, I, I kind of got that impression of the Exorcist at the, mm. the bit at the end. Yeah. Um, but then obviously, as you said, comparisons with the Joker, because you're thinking, is it all in her head? Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, um, but just to I just it was just I just really enjoyed it, mate. I mean, I'm not known too much about Saint Mod. Um, like I mean, we, we didn't even know that that this obviously, like obviously Moffat Clark was a she's Swedish and Welsh, but there was obviously Welsh in the film as well. That was we don't know if it was obviously Satan or God speaking to her. But when you when you clicked and you were like fuck that's Welsh, and I was like I didn't even fucking know that. Do you know? What yeah, I, mean? I think it's because because of how it's like modulated in such a way. So there's basically this moment where it's not necessarily spoiling it, where she has a conversation with with God, and we put that in quote marks because again, yeah. that's one of the many elements you take away. Going, was that God? Was that something else? And because of how it sounds, they've it's really clever to pick Welsh as a language, which is such a really like quite like a beautiful. It sounds really, I don't know. It flows if that makes sense. It's it's like yeah. it's, it's got something. It's got something. Welsh, isn't it? Yeah, it's got something otherworldly to it. So when it starts coming yeah. out, you're just like, hmm, don't like this. Um, but 
even I'm, I mean, even thinking of scary moments, mate. Nothing. It's weird to not like the closest comparison. Once you've compared it to The Exorcist, I get I can and I get that. I the last time I walked out of a horror film and was like, "What have I just watched?" Was Hereditary, which we also said was a comparison. Um, yeah. In how it looks and how dark it is and how how horror though. Yes, a hundred percent. Because this is what I'm getting at. Is this like, is more like it's more psychological. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm getting at in terms of scary moments. I can only think of the last, like her last encounter, um, with with like the dancer. Like the bat, I as... fucking nearly took took the, <laughs> took the bone off my elbow. Fucking banged it against the fucking the the ice cream sundae that I demolished. Uh, so yeah I, I actually fucking... I, I said going in like I wasn't prepared to sit through a comedy with Sean for Bill and Ted so when the laugh when the carny cackle came out I was like I'll accept that I'll tolerate that I wasn't prepared for his hat for, for a horror because it was oh Jesus <laughs> alright so I'm a oh you bastard <laughs> um but yeah, like you say, mate, a very, very different horror film. Um, nowhere yeah. is visceral, but just really fucking sets this. Something's not right, and when's it going to happen? And am I prepared for it? Because even even the part of like, there's a moment where she sits down with another nurse on a beach, and there's no one around. And you're like, right, there's no witnesses. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That was my immediate anyway. thought. It was reminded me of um, fucking well, Antoine Chagall. Me as well. That was only. That was only. I think the one, the one bit in the, the scene where it's the, the woman's birthday, that's the only other time that you see her when it's not just Maud and someone else. Yeah, she's very, it, it's, it's because I think because it's so focused on here, the only, you see her, there's three occasions, there's a birthday party, there's a time in a pub, and there's the final scene on the beach where people are surrounding her. And every, every, other part is just focusing on her and how she interacts with this woman who is lit is really just fucking like fucking with her um i mean as, as good as muffin clark is jennifer l as amanda is so good because it's she's yeah. like this bitter like you know almost just just not nasty but like there's a great there's a great line of it of, of death is so dull and like I've got nothing else to do, and it's just like, yeah, this is a woman who's just genuinely fucking with Maud, and their relationship is so interesting because it is, there's, there's a, you know, there's a bit of affection there, but there's also just genuine hostility to each other, and, you know, Maud's Again, so set on about, like, sorry, Karen. No, no, sorry, people just talking about certain things that, again, you don't know if it's real or not because like, the Buffy present, do you know yeah. what I mean? You're like. You never, you never see her buying it, and also like she just kind of admires it, and that's yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's fucking weird, man. It's such a creepy film, and it's just, it's just very well done, mate. I, just, I think uh, I'll be very interested to see where Rose Glass comes from here because, like, I mean, I mean, mate, it's not even an hour and a half long. Like, it's eighty minutes. It's just over eighty minutes, which is amazing. But like. Would you? We said we. I asked you again. I asked you this after seeing it, and I want to know if you would stick by this. Would you suggest this to someone to watch? Hundred percent, I did. Really? I've spoken to, I spoken to various people. Um, I've said obviously to Leslie because I was telling her we were going to see it, and she was like, "Was it good?" And I was like, "It's brilliant." I was like, "You'd, you'd love it." Um, 
I've, I was recommending it to people and work and stuff. So, um, I'd, I'd watch it again. Do you know what I mean? That's how that's how much I did enjoy it. I'd I'd one hundred percent watch it again. I just think you know we talked about we've talked a lot about sort of horrors recently and it, it kind of fitting given the month of it. But like, you know, when you look at this in comparison to Bly Manor, it's a very different breed. And if you liked yeah. Hereditary, if you like Joker, if you like Alan Partridge, um, watch watch this film. Um, yeah, just I, I can't wait to see more. I've got my foot on the spike. Oh, it's gone right. We can hear it squelching. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just a different breed of horror, but one that you might very what would well you give that a ten? Oh, mate, why do you want to say ten? Why can't it be five? Because um, ten's a round number. I'd say eight. Mate, so would I. I would say a solid eight, man. Like, it doesn't... Because yeah, I'm going from... If it, if it was five, I'd give it four. But I wouldn't give it five yeah. out of five because I just think it's not going to be for everyone. And I think it's definitely going to be one of those films where you no, walk no, away that's and go... True. You'll walk away and go, what the fuck have I just watched? Like, yeah. and not for the wrong reasons, just, he's just a fucking different beast, man. Um, But yeah, yeah. from... From something very, very dark to something very, very light um, that I saw, and Sean hasn't. Ha 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 ha. Um, I managed to wait till Christmas. <laughs> um, I managed to get to got to see um, uh, Soul, which is Pixar's latest film that's been postponed and has been held back for Christmas Day uh, on Disney Plus. Um, the BFI showed it as a premiere this this uh, last Sunday. Um, for those that don't know, this is about. Um, a music teacher who um, through unfortunate circumstances actually has a near fatal accident, goes to the afterlife and is desperate to get back, um, recover his body and, you know, carry on living his life. Cause in during basically the same day, he's offered a, a gig from to playing a jazz band, which has been his dream all, for his whole life. And as soon as he gets the dream, his nightmare is that he actually dies. Um, I, was not sort of I'm not going to say I wasn't expecting an amazing thing but it's Pixar you're going to get something special um, but like I walked out and I texted Sean straight away and I was like like there are so many things in this that Pixar has never done before and for that reason it works so well um, I was explaining to Sean like uh, th- there was a sort of a brief um, 20 minute uh, interview with the director uh, Pete Doctor and um, the writer I think Mike Jones as well um, and the producer Dana Murray and they were basically talking about the level of detail they went into this film about how they were going to tackle an idea that for a kids film is so fucking you know Pete Doctor notably made Inside Out which is again is such an interesting story for a kids film which is just something you wouldn't expect and sold as exactly the same of handling a subject that probably kids ask. Do you know what I mean? What is it like? What What do we do after we're gone? Like, where do we go? And, you know, Pete Dots was saying in this interview that they were interviewing, uh, they had chat sit-downs with priests, rabbis, spiritualists to basically try and figure out, for one, what a soul looks like. Because as soon as he dies, he's going on the, he's, he's on this, going on the staircase to the great beyond there's this blinding white light and he is almost like this marshmallow like casperish figure um and anyway you can identify him that stands out he's still got his hat on that he wore when he died like 
as a ethereal sort of version of it. And mate, just just another absolutely amazing Pixar film. Like there's no other way I can describe it. Like some of the details and some of the questions that it puts to, to you know, this is like I say, this is a film for younger audiences that it asks and answers so beautifully where you're just like and it looks fucking gorgeous. Like I cannot stress to you, like Pixar has always been that benchmark of every film they come out with. They advance and advance and advance in animated te- like technology. There are moments in this film where I was like, if you pause this, this looks real. Like the characters. Yeah, special about the barber shop. Yeah. So, so yeah. There's a moment where, um, so the character that um, that is the music teacher is um, Jamie Fox plays Joe Gardner, who's the music teacher that dies and through various circumstances manages to come back and ends up in a barber shop and not only does it capture not necessarily what sean's barbershop's like but just that atmosphere just the you know various characters and the detail the level of detail in this i mean this is the first pixar film they made a highlight of it and fair play to them for it where a predominantly black um character list films this film so obviously going into a black barbershop the level of detail on like um the facial elements, the beard, like there's a close-up of, a, there's a moment where um, he sat down in a barber chair and the barber stood behind him. He's got a really nice beard on him, but it's, the detail on it is so real. And to the point where like, there's close-ups on his feet where like there's, there's a shot of like, you know, as you know, Sean, you'll, you'll watch this and go, yep, yeah, that's exactly what a barbershop looks like, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, close-ups of like a really low, like low shot of his feet and he spins the chair around and he's got like, a heavy pair of boots on and there's hair in the laces and there's hair near his feet and he's sweeping it away and it's like certain yeah, shots that's what it's like no but there's certain shots where if you don't look at the characters which sounds stupid because all the characters look like cartoon characters however the yeah. world they're in looks so real um there's a beautiful moment where after the barbershop they're basically sat outside and it's set in new york which again is a city that's been used so many different times in films and, and viewed through so many different lenses. Like, to see that, there are, again, there are moments where you go, that looks real. There's a beautiful moment where basically he's looking at a tree and you can see the sunlight coming through the tree and the leaf falls down and it hits the floor and then the wind blows it across the road and you're just like, fuck, how long must they have spent to just do that one scene? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's that whole moment, it's, it's a brilliant um perspective on how important the, the little moments are so the film is littered with them um of making you just sort of step back and just appreciate what's going on around you um mm-hmm. my only upset is that people aren't going to see this on the big screen because some moments are just yeah, like wow um are you need to buy a new a new 4k <laughs> inch plasma fucking tv yeah um are you from what sort of when I left and told you about it? Were you interested in it, and where where do you stand on it? And with the whole, we've had the whole debate about Disney Plus and stuff. Yeah, mate, I'm I'm re- I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, really looking forward to see it, obviously because I mean you've obviously told me about it, but even even before that, I was just also because I knew that um, Pete Doctor did Inside Out, and I loved that film. I just thought it was so smart. Um, and if it's mm-hmm. anything like that, then it's going to be a fucking massive hit. Do you know what I mean? But 
the premise of it and stuff like the the music element to it and stuff and going to like the great beyond and the great before like, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they do it do you know what I mean as you said because it's obviously Pixar it's just mm. it's, the little things that Pixar do in films are just so intelligent do you know what I mean like as you were saying there that one scene with the, with the tree and all that but I mean, just, just the mm. films, the way they, they, the attention yeah. to detail is what you said. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, you just, you, I can't um, can't fault Pixar, do you know what I mean, mate? So, kudos to them, mate. I'm looking forward to um, Christmas to watching it. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's the, and that's the one problem. It's such a long wait, but like, this will be definitely one that I think will be worth it. It's not, it. I don't think it will... In terms of rankings for like your favorite Pixar films, it's probably not going to sit at the top. Yeah. Um, but there is just so much in it. Like, like you talked about the music. Fucking um, uh, Trent Reznor does the soundtrack for it, and f- to my knowledge, from what they were saying, doesn't actually use any instruments in it. Um, is all made mm-hmm. electronically, and some of the sound design in it. Like, there's a great moment where they're in the where in the beyond, and there's basically this element of people with lost souls, which is if you're essentially you're stuck in your job and you're trying to figure out where you are, your soul will eventually sort of yeah. transform into this big black mammoth thing that's got no direction. And it sounds like the, the I said to Sean, the closest comparison I can give it is Ghost, where the, the demons come out to take away like Eddie and um, uh, Willie, sorry, Willie Gomez and Patrick Swayze's mate. Um, it's not as scary. Uh, it's also got Graham Norton in it, which is a bit random, but he's a great fucking casting choice. And as soon as he turns up, you're like, <laughs> you're actually good in stuff. Like, you can act. Um, you only need to look at Father Ted for that. But um, but yeah, just a really interesting film and highly recommend it when it comes out. Um, Christmas Day, as I say, is the release date for it. It will probably have the £20 price tag on it that Mulan had, whereas Mulan might not have been worth it. This definitely is. Um, so yeah, please, please check it out when it arrives. Um yeah, going on to um, going from a Pixar perky number from a shock to the system. Oh, what a lovely world we live in! Uh, Netflix's latest, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, starring Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen again, um, Mike Mark Rylance, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, um, Frank. Why is the name completely slipped my head? Langella. Oh, I was going to say Lampard. Lol. Um, <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine me on the fucking stand? Yeah, Frank Langella as an absolute wanker. Um, this is oh, written. So good at it though. He is very good at it. This is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin in his sophomore directorial effort. Um, those that should know, um, if you if you don't know who Aaron Sorkin is, you will probably would have heard him in a script somewhere. He wrote a few good men, the Newsroom, Social Network. Um, various old oh, Moneyball to Nate to like name a few but yeah this is his second directorial effort and he's based on the true story of the Chicago 7 who were eight people um, the number's right a group of eight um, defendants that were charged uh, by federal government in conspiracy in 1969 to 1970 inciting a riot and other charges related to the, the anti-Vietnam pro- war protest in Chicago um, during the 1968 Democratic National Convention Um Mate, I knew nothing about this, did you? As in, historically, I knew nothing about no. this. Um, no, not, not a single thing, mate. How how fucking long did it take for your blood to boil? <laughs> oh, mate, you're talking like fucking first 10 minutes or so. I think, like, 
we've said in the past there's various films that have come out this year where it's like this is so timely to be coming out this is one of those numbers where it's like this should never have happened um the yeah. the sort of absolute farce this film becomes and i mean i don't mean this production wise i mean the actual story itself yeah, so story. um like the as i say the various sort of people in it um eddie redmayne um sasha Baron cohen uh alex sharp jeremy strong and yaya abdul mateen um are a few of the defendants that go on for this and for one like bobby seal's character is a guy that was in chicago for what was it four hours yeah, and they dragged him in um, to protest just because, because he was, he was like a president of the the Black Panthers or something like that. Yeah, he was president of the Black Panthers of a particular chapter. Went to do a speech, was here for four hours, and they pinned this this thing on him. Um, now the era being as it is, um, immediately he gets completely mistreated at this trial. He's got no legal representation when he sits down, and the, they proceed to do the court the trial without without him having any. Um, and the extent that his, the the stuff that his character goes through through this film is absolutely unbelievable. Like there are scenes that, again, like I say, this will make your fucking blood boil. Um, but with it being Aaron Sorkin, it's so fucking sharp. Like, what did you take from it, mate? In terms of where you've come from with Aaron Sorkin films and and what you took away from this. Um, I mean, just think the guy can do no wrong, do you know what I mean? He's obviously worked with classics and that in the past, obviously a few good men as you've mentioned, um, but I mean, one of the best things that I'd seen in a long time was the newsroom. I just thought it was so cleverly done. Yeah. Um, the dialogue is a big thing that I recognise that it's done very smartly by Sorkin. Um, right. And I just I just think it was very well done in this film as well. But, um, it's just, it's obviously it's a good cast at the helm of it as well. Um I just, I just, I, from start to finish, I enjoyed it. It made me, it made me laugh. It made me fucking angry. It just made me like on edge. It made me happy. Do you know what I mean? It was just loads of emotions just in in one film. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's just it's fucking a, a, a very well done, smart film, mate. Yeah. Um, where would you rank it as short a soaking sort of effort? Given that, like we've said. Um, I mean, his first film that he directed was Molly's Game, which I wasn't a massive fan of. I just think it was, it was clearly a uh, like some writers do have a ghost in the director's chair, and sometimes it doesn't pan out. And I think that was one of those examples. I just yeah. didn't click with it at all. Whereas this, I was like, I was hooked straight away. And I think it's probably the cast as well, because the, you know, the people involved in it are top level sort of performances. Like, mate, fucking Michael Keaton coming in for a mic dropping moment of all of like what. 15 minutes and then just fucking off I'm and he's just probably. so good um but yeah just just a fucking great film um i'm the what i do have my issues with it what were your do you have any negatives with it that sort of didn't sit right with you at all mm, not really mate no really i don't think i really i don't think i really picked at it too much right okay um because we've said like Kudos to like Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, Mark Rylance. Um, my one problem, mate, to say he's an absolute fucking chameleon and has been for years. Sasha Baron Cohen's accent in this film, holy fuck! Yeah, I know, but it is all listen, over the mate, shot. Fucking, I know. 
I'm surprised though, Tay, because I thought he'd have done like, because he is quite good at doing accents, you know what I mean? I thought he would have nailed it, but I mean, I suppose Eddie, Eddie Redmayne's isn't any better, is it? Oh, yeah. Um, it's weird. It's a bit stilted. And <clears> I think it sounds again, bad. I, I think, sorry. I just think it sounds it sounds bad to say like for some sometimes it does take me out of it, like, well, I just I think whilst it is such a fucking whip smart film and it is it's written so well and there's certain great scenes in it, there's just some moments where I was like, that line doesn't land because you're not because it's just not coming out right. It's as simple as that. I think that's just my I don't yeah. know if that's just me or have you had that in the past with certain films or not. Aye, I mean, I think I had that uh, probably recently with um, Haunting a Bly Manor. Right, okay. I mean, you'll, you'll probably get that a lot. I mean, it was very very well documented on social media that a lot of people were turning into it because of the accents alone, do you know what I mean? Mm. Obviously, I don't know. I mean, I can't really speak on fucking English accents, but how did you find them? Um... What, Bly Manor? Yeah. I think there were a few iffy ones. I think Henry Thomas's, um, like the uncle, was just a bit too, yes, quite. Um, it was always, a, almost kind of butler type, wasn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, very, very forced. Um, but I think it's funny that, like, I mean, we'll go on to this because I just think it's really interesting that over the past few weeks, so many people have had issues with accents and talked about it. And having watched this, I was just like. I just think it's funny that Sasha Baron Cohen, known for a guy who can do various, you know, has, yeah. has made a career out of Struggles ripping the piss Chicago out one. of accents of Borat and Bruno and Ali G, obviously. But the second he's given an American accent from Chicago, I think it's just, it just sometimes it just doesn't land right. With that said, he is hilarious in this film. And his yeah. sort of, um, uh, like, chemistry with Jeremy Strong I think he's so good like those two just sat there like the objection moments of just like objection objection yeah, like so funny. Um, coming in dressed so as a judge here's a, here's a fun fact behind it so um, Abby Hoffman who Sasha Baron Cohen plays it's a, a Massachusetts accent so I wonder if that's if that's why it's kind of all over the place though because a Boston accent's fucking hard to do Um, yes yeah, probably is you know, you listen to various ones and you're just like, oh, you are struggling. Um, I don't know. I just think that comes down to the vocal coach, you know, and, and getting someone to sit down yeah. with them and go, right, you need to get your R's just right. You need to get your A's. You know what I mean? Certain certain elements. There are some, because there are some actors, man, that are just fucking, can just nail it. Can just do, give them, you know, we, we've said in the past, Jodie Comer, absolute fucking chameleon. Like, the fact that yeah. you can have a Liverpoolian go from Russian to French to English to just in literally, sometimes even in a single scene, is amazing. So I just feel, I don't know, sometimes it just knocks me a bit. Um, and then there's other times where people just don't make the effort. Like we talk about Brian Adams, like Robin Hood, Kevin Costner's accent, non-existent in that film. <laughs> like yeah. Christian Slater, kind of trying a bit. Um, what's? But we'll go on to this because we, we both agree, Charlie Shore 07, like, I, what would you give it out of five? I think I'd give it a four. Right. Why is it Why is it not getting the five for you? Just because I feel like you like it more than I did, I suppose, in a, in a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I just think 
Did you really give a lot of films a five? Like it didn't. It wasn't like that fucking good. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. I think it was a very like it was. I think the the cast wasn't. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Eddie Redmayne. Don't know about you, but um, he was also a bit a pain in the arse in this film. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, think, I think Tom Hayden probably was a bit a pain in the arse back in the day, but. Um, I mean, I just I enjoyed it for what it was, mate, and I think the story was a lot better than the, as you said, that some of the act, questionable acting that in it. But I just I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish, mate. Mm. Um, obviously because I'd never actually heard about it, and even even Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fucking performance in it was pretty good as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think like, that's... playing a sort of like mild mild mannered fucking um, lawyer. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like to say how, you know, going into it, and it's just like. Even, you know, and I think that's brilliant. That's a great element as well. Like Frank Langella is obviously the fucking firework in this, in this, in the film. Yeah. In terms of, whilst he, again, to, I, I suppose really out of when you take, when you really strip it down, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Frank Langella are giving the most reserved performances in this film where Frank Langella is just an old crotchety, like definitely shouldn't be doing this job, judge. Um, but does so much Senior with so racist. little. Yeah, senile old racist basically. Um, uh, fucking Prince Philip at the throne, like oh, on the in the in the judge's box. If we're completely honest, like Jesus. nobody's nobody's true. It's that it's that like he's saying stuff and everyone's looking around the room, going, "Are we fucking hearing this? Like, is yeah. it? Are we just gonna let this happen?" Um, and one of those people is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where it's like he's actually the defendant for, you know for the people and he's like am I actually on the right side of this should I be doing anything yeah he's like um, gagged and bound mate come on yeah you know oh I mean? mate fucking hell like I know that is traumatic to watch um, and not yeah. even not even that like Michael Keaton's great the... fucking moment that literally gets taken out and you just like makes you just you the amount of times you just sat there like Aye. just your hands are in the air like what is going on um, yeah I mean, but even you, a lawyer, the, the, yeah. the lawyer is going, what What are you doing? <laughs> it's, I mean, um, it's just so frustrating, but it's, it's but, so good to watch and it's just very well written. And I think, I think, like we've said, it's for its time, it's definitely worth, it's so fitting for its time in terms of greater powers, playing with stuff that we've got no control over and what do, what do you do to that? Do you push back and how far do you push back? And when are you tested? Um, just a really fucking great film it's on Netflix now if you've not watched it seek it out um, just have a look for it it's brill um, but yeah mate wanky film accents What? where's your where's your list what's your what are you hey, do you know what there's one of the worst there's one of the worst accents in a film and it's probably one of my favourite films as well we're talking about <laughs> right. here right um, Bram Stoker's Dracula Keanu Reeves accent and that is fucking horrendous <laughs> It's it's so funny, but because I, I like I I watch it like I watch it a lot, man. It's it's probably my favorite fucking one of my favorite vampire films. Yeah, um, and it's it's just it's just so fucking bad. <laughs> I think the I think when you talk about accents, right, the worst accent that everybody talks about has got to be Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. That is the fucking that is the pinnacle of bad accents it's just it's you know you can't tell where he's from <laughs> like you know he's trying know. to be English it's like, but it's like can you point to me on a map where the fuck you're from <laughs> like, yeah 
He's like, I think he's been in the chimney sweet fucking business too long. Yeah. That he's been stuck and he fucking doesn't know what accent he's... he's a little shut in there and a little shut in there. He's like, and none of the kids are going, where are you from? <laughs> it must be hard though because, I mean, like, his is a very strong, like, um, American accent that he has, do you know what I mean? So to do that and to try and play in basically a Cockney, do you know what I mean? I'm, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, Nick, when when anybody does an accent, it's a Cockney accent. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. how? <coughs> sorry, excuse me. How shit do you need to be to, <laughs> to fucking to mess up a fucking Cockney accent of all accents? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, come on, man. Well, that's the thing. Like, you root the piss out of me when you do an impression of me. For some reason, oh, I sound like terrible. I sound no, but I sound like a Cockney, and like you say, it's your go. Yeah, it's the go-to thing. Um, that is the go-to one, but I'm like. If you can't do a Cockney accent, give just, up. Just, you know I mean? like, just go out. Stop trying. Um, I mean, you've got was, the, the other one as well was um, Johnny Depp and Heather Graham and From Hell. I mean, oh, yes. their accents. Thank you. What about baby Alice? <laughs> you know Are you sure she's alright? <laughs> so, so Mate, you should do fucking like post like AD for <laughs> for films. Um, I'm just thinking I've got two that stick out for me. Quite recent ones, not recent but ish. One, uh, Cameron Diaz, Gangs of New York. Ooh, good dire. shit. Dire, just dire. Terrible. Like, oh, be sure to be sure to be sure. You're just like, please stop. Like, I'm not Irish, Honestly. and I think it's interesting. Like you've said, racist. You, well, you've said you've said the fact that you don't like the Scottish accent um, in Bly Manor, which I just didn't have an issue with. And you mentioned yeah. you always mentioned fucking Mel Gibson as William Wallace as well. Whereas again, yeah. it's never really, it's never struck with me that much. To me, I me think it's hard. Outrageous. I think it's hard to hear your own accent on a hundred percent on television. A hundred percent because like. One thing I always notice because I watch a lot of American like video podcasts that are reviewing the boys. No one ever talks about Carl Urban's accent, which I'm sorry is an Weird. abomination. Like, yeah, it's terrible. It's it's awful. You can't. It's like you fucking spice girls. You're like, where are you from? Where are yeah. you? Is it wrong? Is that Dick Van Dyke behind him? Is that who yeah. has that, his vocal, his vocal coaches? But we're not. But weirdly, when you think back to him in Lord of the Rings he's got an English accent and it's fine. And I think it's, a th- I think it, like you might say, I think whilst if you can't do a Cockney accent, you fucked it. Like it might be a difficult one because to go from Carl Urban, Cameron Diaz, as I say, from Gangs of New York, mate, Charlie fucking Hunnam in Green Street. Is that not the worst Ooh. accent? That you- <laughs> yeah. Like, fucking Definitely. football day, it? What about, wee, wee. <laughs> what, what about uh, Brad Pitt in the Devil's, Devil's Own? Yeah, it's not like, the best. Would you like? Oh, I'd like some more potatoes, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's it's like you either it's you like, either commit or you just go snatch. You just do Mickey and snatch. I'm <laughs> just I'm just reading I'm just reading something about the Brad Pitt accent, and it says his accent is firmly set to leprechaun mode. <laughs> Um, oh. Yeah, this just... see how you were saying about ones that are like non-existent, like fucking Russell Crowe and Robin Hood. I Mate. think he just like gives up halfway through the film. <laughs> well, this is right. So speaking from someone, as I say, speaking from someone from that's from Nottingham, it's just like 
he goes from <laughs> he goes from Yorkshire to Nottingham to Derby, and like you say, halfway through, I just think he packs it in. What's interesting? I is, just is, is he had he had an interview with someone basically, and someone said to him like, "Where where were you trying to get it?" Like not in a dickish way, like where the you know what the fuck were you playing at? And he actually like walked out the interview. Oh, because they? <laughs> because they were saying that, like, just where were you going? Like, whereabouts in Nottingham were you from? Because yeah. you just you just don't. Um, but then even you look at the fucking cast in that, where it's like, you know, Oscar Isaac is... Oscar Isaac was King King John, I think. Or King, yeah, he was King, <laughs> yeah, Prince no. John. Um, Kate Blanchett, chameleon, can do anything she wants. Um, but yeah, just some... Are you, are you looking at this... Um, That's another. Are you looking at this, t- uh, the Telegraph article? Is that where you've got your... No. Right. So no. I'm going to go through... Tele- the Telegraph a while ago did um, 16 worst accents in film history, right? So we'll just go through them. Hold on. Yeah, we've got them. So uh, number one, as mentioned, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Number two, Keanu Reeves, yeah. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Number three, brilliant trout, Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible comedy. Fucking Barney Rabble. Trouble. Um, uh, we've got Juliette Binoche in My Country, which I can't say I've seen. Uh, Anne Hathaway in One Day. Oh, yes. Opposite. Um, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's basically her... Oh, I've completely forgot the guy's name. I want to say Jim Sturgis. James Sturgis. He was in that 21 poker film. And it's basically... She's... Um, yeah, she's she's British in that, and she basically sees this guy once a year, once a day, one day every year, and it's pretty ropey. <gasps> There's a classic one, Gerald Butler. P.S. I love you. Terrible. Ooh, yeah. Like, if he's Irish, just pick an Irish person. Don't have a Scottish person do an Irish accent. You just you're asking for trouble. Um, got Michael Caine, Shia LaBeouf in Nymphomaniac. Can't say I've seen it. Uh, Brad Pitt, The no. Devil's Own, is on there. Heather Grayman from yeah. Hell. Uh, oh, Christopher Lambert in Highlander. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get we'll get a French man to do a Scottish accent and a Scottish man to do to be a Egyptian Spaniard. Um what else we got? Uh Charlie Hunnam in Green Street, Quentin Tarantino in Django. Yeah, not the best. Um I think a lot of people struggle with uh, Irish accents. Yes. Cuz like you, you either like, go I'm, I'm just reading here uh, Julia Julia Roberts did Mary Riley when um, she played the fucking uh, an Irish woman, and I thought oh, it was terrible. All right, okay. <laughs> um, I've I think I've, this is it. She f- she fell into the Brad Pitt syndrome using the word I. <laughs> for I. Almost oh, I. every vowel. <laughs> I always remember um, Far and Away with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, which is pretty bad as well. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Why don't you like me hat? <laughs> Tell me you like me hat. <laughs> no Tom because you're not saying it right that's why I don't like your hat I don't like you either yeah I do like my hat um, uh, well folks if you've got any um, preferred accents that hope died a death or just just you know either to to laugh at or loathe um, let us know you can send us a DM at this is real good UK um, I'm sure there are plenty that we've missed out uh, we, we'd love to hear them um, for now though mate I think that's where we should call it a night are you in agreement yes sounds perfect I don't know why I said it so like formal yeah. like that that's really weird it's been a pleasure 
Um, as always, mate. Um, folks, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to us, as always, at iTunes, Spotify, and all the various big streaming podcast services. And for more real good stuff, you can follow us at This Is Real Good UK on Instagram. You can speak to me if you want, because, you know, I'm always up for a chat at Nick Stanley Forth and on Instagram. And for the um, the small, sprightly fellow um, in front of me, you can speak to Sean on Instagram at Beard Carnage. You said you said that like Bond, James Bond. It was so intense. Like Bond. Beard. Get me get me beard carnage. Um but yeah. Uh thanks a lot for listening to us folks. Um have a lovely week. Tune in and watch all those films that we've suggested. Well, let us know at Christmas Boxing Day really what you thought of Soul. Uh, but Saint Mard and Chicago Seven are definitely worth a look. So give us a shout I am. and let us know what you think. I'm also gonna go and watch uh, funny games because I've never seen it. <gasps> Oh, can you believe it? The original or the remake? Uh, the remake. Well, weirdly, same director, but mate, that's yeah, not same nice. director. And apparently, are you, it's. Uh, are you are you watching that what? tonight? Yeah, before that's bed. Not, oh, don't watch that before bed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen, this is a this is a a, a, a psychotic thriller household, mate. So there'll be no soul in here tonight. <laughs> Well, you definitely don't have one. Um, But yeah, Yeah, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Fare thee well. Bye-bye. Say bye-bye, Sean. Bye-bye, Sean.